y'all, he told him last service that I prayed that I wouldn't run off the stage and throw up. I'm like, thank, thank you, thank you. And I'm so happy he didn't say that, and then I just told you that, so there, we're in the same boat. Um, I'm so honored to be here. I am gonna sit, um, just so that if I fall off the stage, nobody feels responsible to come pick me up, right? Um, so honored to be here. We had, Phil and I got to go um, to Mexico. We were in Mexico for a week. And um, we flew back Friday, dropped our bags off in time to get to the Willis homecoming game. And I just, I wanna brag on that for just a second, because let me tell you why. If you go on social media, if you watch the news, you see all kinds of things about this upcoming generation being awful and being a lost cause and just God is not in this next generation. You know, you see, and you know what? There's a lot of truth in, in some of that. And we're real good about talking about what's not working, but I wanna brag on something that is because one of our students who is super involved in our youth ministry and he also serves faithfully every Sunday in kids ministry was on homecoming court. And if you're not familiar how that works, it is a student vote, and so we got there in time. First of all, if you're from Willis, Willis fans are something else. I'm like, my, my goodness, my goodness. I, I was a little scared and excited at the same time. It was so fun. But um, uh, Cade Wright, one of our students that was on the homecoming court, he was crowned king. And here's what is so amazing about him is he is the same all the time. He's crazy. He is absolutely crazy. But he loves Jesus. It shows in everything he does. And for me and for our team, it was so, so exciting to see that somebody who's doing it right made king, right? So I just want to give you guys that look. Yeah, he's over there serving right now. But I, I think that that's just a little bit of encouragement when you go, man, or what are we doing wrong? How about what are we doing right and let's trust God with the rest because it was really awesome and it was cool to see him. He was wearing a purple sequence jacket. I'm like, okay, Liberace, I see you. I see you. But anyway, so we, we went to Mexico. This was our very first vacation as a married couple. We've been married for 100 years and people say, you've never been on vacation? Every mom in the house knows what I mean. If you go on vacation with your children, it's not vacation. You basically take your work from home to another place. And you just try to work in that place, and it's, it's just weird. And we, I was thinking about this last night. We went on vacation one time, and we were trying to potty train our son. And potty training a kid is kind of like housebreaking an animal. Like if you take them to a new place, they get confused, and they just go in random places. That's how it was with potty training justice on vacation. It was awful. And so, like, this was our very first. We've traveled all over the world with missions, but this was our first vacation that was just us. And it was absolutely awesome. And we, we went away with the idea of just getting to rest and going on an adventure. And we got to do all that. I, um, I tried octopus. I've never done that before. Phil didn't do it. He was like, have at it. Um, it was okay. I, I'm not going to leave here and go to HEB and buy that octopus tentacle that you see wrapped in saran wrap. And you wonder who buys that? Not me. But it, it was okay. And we were, we were just having a great time. We had all this stuff planned. And... Um, on Tuesday morning, Phil was sitting out on the balcony reading and I was getting ready because we had plans that day. And I got a text message that, um, you ever get a text message that like just punches you in the gut? Or you get, somebody tells you something that just breaks your heart. 
And it, I, I'm in another country. It wasn't, nobody died, okay? But I was grieving as if they did. And the situation felt like death. And the situation was something that was out of my control. And I found myself, I was just crying. Phil walks in and he's just like, are you okay? Um, and I told him what happened and he was like, do we need to not go anywhere today? I'm like, I'm not letting this ruin our vacation. We're gonna go. And so I tried to put on a face, right? And by the way, if I don't know what y'all can see on here. I didn't wear enough sunscreen. So if you're like, what's happening to her head? I, I operate like a seven-year-old and I don't put enough sunscreen on. So there you have it. So I had somebody last service go, you probably should wear more sunscreen. I'm like, well, thanks, Janice. You're right. I probably should. But here we are without sunscreen. So anyway, um, he, he comes in and he's, you know, I'm like, well, we're going to go. And so we're sitting at lunch and he goes, how are you feeling? And I said, if you want me to be honest, I just feel stuck. I feel stuck with things out of my control. I wish I could fix it. I'm so tired of mean people being mean and hurting other people, and I just don't understand. And before I go any further, I want to go ahead and let, because I know some of y'all are nosy like me, and some of y'all are going to be real religious with this, and you're going to come up to me afterwards and go, I just want to pray. Can you give me details? <laughs> y'all know who you are. I just feel like the Lord will understand my heart more if I know who we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, I was going to do that. Okay. <laughs> it has nothing to do with Lone Star Cowboy Church and nobody at this church. How about that? So you don't have to, if you're like, I still want details, you can get work on that. That's not, it's okay. But so I told him, I said, I just feel stuck. And um, we, we get home and we drop off our luggage, go to the game. Yesterday morning, I get up and because um, Phil told me I was not allowed to study on this trip. He said, you better have Sunday's message done before we leave because we're going on vacation and you're going to vacation. I said, yes, sir. And um, I told him, though, that what I was talking about today, what I felt like the Lord had put in my heart for you was what it's like to be stuck. And yesterday morning when I pulled up my notes and I'm sitting there with my coffee and I'm looking at it, I'm like, you know what? It's so funny. Guys, this is just how good God is. I thought God was preparing a message for you. I did not realize he was preparing my heart for what happened um, while I was in Mexico. So I, I modified some things and really just super excited. So I want to tell you what I'm sharing with you today is really just what the Lord's walking me through right now. And I believe it's something that is going to minister to somebody in here. And if it doesn't today, maybe there's going to come a day where you find yourself stuck and you're like, what do I do now? And I just pray that you, you're reminded of the goodness of God and you come back to that. So le a few years ago, I spoke at Fields of Faith and I shared with them my biggest fear as a child. I was a weird kid. And I know that's a shocker to anybody that knows me. You're like, what? I would never have thought. Yeah, I was very weird. Um, I was terrified of quicksand because we would come home from school and we would watch reruns of Gilligan's Island. Y'all remember that show? And they always found quicksand. And it was awful. And it was just like they're having this best time. They're drinking coke out of a coconut and everybody's happy and they're tan. And then they're in quicksand. And it's like they're, now they're going to die. Like what, what is this? And I truly thought this was going to be a bigger issue as an adult than it has been for me, if you want to know the truth. Um, like we moved into a new house 
when I was uh, like going into middle school. And I went out in the backyard with like a shovel and like just poked around to make sure that I wasn't going to like stumble upon quicksand and like my family not be able to save me. I mean, it was, it was a huge fear. I know that sounds so, you're like, there's other things to fear. Yeah, well, that was mine. There you go. I was stuck on this quicksand idea. And honestly, I've been all over the world in missions. And I have never met anyone that has ever seen or encountered quicksand until I came to Lone Star Cowboy Church. Ken Stadler, if y'all don't know Ken, you need to know him. Him and his wife, are, their family is amazing. He heard about this when I was at the Fields of Faith. And he comes, he's like, I've experienced quicksand. I was in it. And I, the level of anxiety that I felt while he told me this story, like my palms were sweating. I'm like, my heart's beating. I'm like, and I'm looking at him. He didn't die. He's standing here like, is he taking me to the quicksand? Is he going to put me in the quicksand? Why is he telling me this story? Are we friends? If not, we better become friends real quick because I don't want to experience what he experienced. So if you know Ken, ask him the story. Don't ask him while I'm around. I don't know that I can handle it. Like, it, it, it's a lot. But that's the only person I know that's ever experienced it. But the, I think the thing about quicksand that freaks me out is the getting stuck part. I don't like to be stuck. I don't want to be boxed in anywhere. I don't like to be in close, you know, people who do splunking, you know what that is? Like you get in those tiny little caves and you crawl around and hope you don't die with spiders. As a sport, I'm like, that sounds like what I think hell might be like. Like, why, why would you want to do that? So like, I, I don't want to be stuck, but then I am realizing that it's not the quicksand. It's not the splunking. It's the idea of being trapped right? The idea of not being able to move forward. And so as a kid, as a teenager, I got in trouble. I know that's also a shocker to you. And the teacher was like, you have to go to the library. Do y'all remember libraries when they used to have libraries? I don't know if they still do or not, but um, they would send you to the library and because everything's online now. And they were, she was like, you're going to go and you're going to research something. You're going to write a paper. I was like, well, I'm going to write about quicksand because if I'm stuck in this place, of the library, I better figure out what I can find out in case I ever do encounter quicksand. And what I found out was there are three things people do in response to quicksand. And I want to tell you these. You're like, why are we talking about quicksand? Just stick with me today. One, they fight and try to get out on their own, causing them to sink faster, which is what we saw on Gilligan's Island, right? Okay. You're like, I've got to go back and watch this you really don't. It's not that exciting. It's just this quicksand stuff, right? And then number two, they remain real still, hoping that this water, sand, mixture, whatever it is, would dry up, somehow allowing them to gain footing, traction to get out, almost ignoring the situation that they are in. And then the third, they scream for someone to help them. And I, I just, thinking back to that place, I think about how we all have places that we do get stuck, whether it's in anxiety or depression. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's something that was out of your control and you were just in Mexico living your best life and somebody gave you information that you weren't prepared for. Maybe you're raising kids and your kids are crazy. Um, maybe you're crazy. I don't know. Like we all have these things and we can look and we can start listing them. And sometimes we have multiple things that we can find ourselves getting stuck in and our response to being stuck in these situations in life are much like the response to being stuck in quicksand. Let me explain why. We try and fight our own way out. 
But that, what does that do? It causes us to sink faster. I've got this. I don't need anybody's help. I'm, I'm, I'm a grown woman. I'm a grown man. I'm, I'm independent. I can do this. I don't want anybody in my business. I can handle it all by myself. And we find that we begin to sink faster. Or we ignore it. Well, I'm just going to pretend like the house isn't on fire. Maybe it won't burn down. You all know those moms in the grocery store in Target. Their kids are like manifesting demons flopping on the ground. And the mom is just standing there. She's like, yeah, I'd love to have coffee next week. And you're like, get your kid. Do something with that one. And the kids are like, you know. And they're just ignoring the problem. And everybody else is like, I've got a headache. I've got a migraine now. Your kid's lost its mind. Like, there are people, some, some of you maybe, sometimes me too, we, we just want to ignore it. Maybe it'll just go away. If I, don't, if I don't address my health, if I don't address my fears, if I don't address my unforgiveness, if I don't address the addiction, if I don't address the problem, maybe the problem, the issue will go away. And then, for what I think are probably the smart ones, they cry out for help. And I want to tell you something right now. You may be new here. You may be just checking us out online. You may have been part of this church since tent days. And I'm going to tell you, if you're going through stuff and you're doing it by yourself, that was never God's intention. If you're going, I mean, you don't have to call me. You can. You can call me. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. But you, we, we do life. We're supposed to do life with people. Find people. If you're walking through something, don't walk through it alone. If you don't have family that are believers, we've got the body of Christ that's a family. Find people that can lock arms with you and help walk you through this. Healing, restoration, and sometimes survival requires action on our part, though, right? And so as I, as I was thinking about everything and revamping this whole thing, I believe the Lord gave me four things that I want to share with you today. I know, I know God is good and God's big enough. He's probably got a million things that can help get us unstuck, but I'm going to give you four today because we only have so much time, okay? And these are honestly the four that I'm walking through in this very moment, right? Okay, so number one, if you're taking notes, this is a good one. Being stuck can't be an option. Move. Move. It's so easy to go, oh, I can't do this. I just want to climb back in bed, pull the covers over my head. I'm just, I just give up. I just... I'm done. But that can't be the option. If you don't want to be stuck, you have to move. Psalms 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. See, if somebody's ever told you that Christianity means that all of a sudden you've got this bubble and everything's perfect and mice make your clothes and birds make your bed, that's Disney. That's not the Bible. That's not real life. Actually, the word says we're going to go through hardships. We're going to face persecution. We're going to endure things that, and he, Jesus even said, they're going to persecute you because they persecuted me. Hey, heads up. Heads up. But it says, even though I walk through the valley, it's up to you, it's up to me to continue to walk it out. But what do we do? I'll tell you what I do. Sometimes when it hurts, I just stop. I just, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to face this anymore. I'll try something different. I'm just going to get stuck here. But God gives us a very clear picture that we are meant to go through. There's a story, and I want you to follow along with me here because this is really where I want to camp today. Um, you may say, I've read that story before and I never saw that. That's okay. And you may also say, hey, sister, you're stretching it. 
I just believe the Lord showed me something here and I want to share it with you. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 11. If you have your phone, if you have a, a, a paper Bible, whatever, Genesis 11, 27 through 32. I want to encourage you when you're in church, bring your Bible. Don't take whoever's preaching's word for it. I'm not telling you that we're lying to you, but we're also people, right? And like, what if you're sitting there and you open it up and the Lord shows you something that you need to see that's on the paper pages of your Bible? Have your Bible with you. Always be ready, okay? Genesis chapter 11, verse, we're starting 27 to 32. And check this out. And I'm going to pronounce these names wrong, but y'all are Southern just like me, so you'll forgive me. That's fine, right? This is the account of Terah's family. Terah was the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran or Haran, and Haran was the father of Lot. But Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth, while his father Terah was still living. Pause right there. It's not natural for a parent to bury their child. And some of you I know have endured that, you have experienced that, so you understand the grief that this man Terah is feeling. His son has died while Terah is still alive. It's significant, it's in the word, we're gonna move on. Meanwhile, Abraham and Nahor, verse 29, both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sari. They call her Sarah, so we're gonna call her Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. Milcah and her sister, uh, Esek, were the daughters of Nahor's brother, Haran. But Sarah was unable to become pregnant and had no children. One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law, Sarah, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child, Haran's child, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years, and he died while he was still in Haran. And you might say, so what? This is, this is something that's so powerful that I feel like the Lord showed me here. The Bible doesn't give us any detail of, did God tell Terah, hey, get up and leave? Hey, it's time to move on. Because I will tell you this, during that day and time, people didn't just move. They didn't say, well, the economy is bad in this state. Let's move to Texas. Or I like that Texas is more conservative. Let's move to Texas. Or hey, Florida has good beaches. Let's move to Florida. People did not move around. They stayed, they planted, they had a tribe, they lived, they dwelt with. But we're gonna play, we're gonna play a game real quick. We're gonna sing a song. Well, I'm not gonna sing. I'm gonna say some words and you're gonna sing back to me. You're like, I'm not playing. Fine, be a fun sucker there, but somebody's gonna play with me. <laughs> we were kids, there was a song we sang and it said, Father Abraham had many, many sons had. I am one of them. So let's go. Okay, y'all remember, some of y'all are like, I don't even know what you're talking about. That's okay. You didn't miss out on anything major there, okay? It was just a song to get the wiggles out of kids because they made you march around and do weird things and like punch the air and stuff like that, okay? <laughs> Father Abraham. But this is talking about a guy named Terah. Terah loses his son. The Bible doesn't say that God spoke to him and said, pack up and move and go to Canaan. If you're not sure what Canaan and Canaan was the promised land. It says nothing about God spoke to Terah, but it says Terah lost his son Haran. And Terah packed his family up and headed towards Canaan. Is it possible that God inspired him? Something inspired him to move. Something pushed him to move towards the place that he was headed. But the Bible says he didn't get there. 
He came to Haran. What's significant about that? I don't know. Here's what's significant to me. He's on his way to a new place. He's starting over. He's starting fresh. And all of a sudden, he comes to a place that has the same name that represents a major loss in his life. Are you following me? Some theologians believe that place was named that because when he got there, he was grieving so hard over his son, he never moved forward. Either way, whether it had the name before or it got the name because of him, the reality is he got stuck. And he did not move any further. You know what, friend? I want you to understand something. Grief is real. Grief is a real thing that we have. And if you try to live life with an experience loss without grief, it's gonna, you're going to experience somewhere down the road. It's normal. It's biblical to have grief. It's not healthy, though, for grief to have you. And that's why it's important that we walk through. We push through. We say, I'm not getting stuck here. Jump over to Genesis 12, verses one through four. It says, then the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be blessings to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. First of all, everybody here, 75 years of age. His, everything started for Abram then. So God's not done with you if you're like, I'm old. Well, if you've got blood pumping through your, your veins and air in your lungs, God is not done with you. But he leaves Haran. Now, we sing Father Abraham, and it makes me wonder, and you can go, lady, this is where I think you're stretching it. That's okay. I'm not saying that's saved the Lord. I'm saying, what if? What if the call on Abram was originally on Terah? What if the song was supposed to be, Father Terah had many sons? I don't know. You're like, well, you're making this up. Maybe, but what if all we know is he was headed to the place that he did not make it. He got stuck. So God wakes up his son at 75 and says, now you go. Now it's time for you to go. I want you to understand something, friend. Starting off is great, but you can't, you got to finish. We can't get stuck. And you know what? It gets hard. It gets hard sometimes. And we have moments where we feel like we're moving slower. We have moments that we feel like there's setbacks. We have moments that are shocks and we're like, whoa, was not prepared for that. Keep moving. Keep moving through. Number two, pay attention to the ifs in the word of God. Y'all know what I'm talking about, ifs. Isaiah 1.19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the best of the land. If, if is a big word in the Bible. It speaks directly to our responsibility when it comes to receiving from God. Y'all know the word if. When you're, if you're a parent or if when you were a teenager, hey, mom, can I go out? If you clean your room, if you get your grades up, if you shower because you smell like a foot, If, what was that if? That if wasn't denying you an option. The if was saying you're gonna have some skin in the game. 
I want you to understand something here. God is God no matter what. He's good no matter what, even when you and I aren't. But he is a relational God in everything he does. He doesn't want to just do it and show off and us sit there on a rocking chair in the front of Cracker Barrel waiting for our number to be called. He wants us to be part of it. And so like we see that starting in the very beginning. And if you've been here when Pastor Randy, Pastor Randy, every time he prays the salvation prayer, he quotes this verse, Romans 10, 9. He says, if you confess, if, if, if you confess with your mouth, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The promise of salvation, the if or the condition, is that you first confess and believe. Jesus paid the price for your sins. You've been forgiven before you were even born. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is nothing about your salvation. There's nothing about that that is on you. That's all been taken care of, but it's a gift and you have to receive it. So if you do this, if you receive, I could buy every single one of you a present at Christmas, but if you don't open it up, it's not doing you anything good. If, if, scripture is full of ifs. God's like, look, you're going to face problems. Look, you're going to be persecuted. Look, you're going to have teenagers and they're going to go crazy sometimes. Look, there's going to be bad days. Look, sometimes the government isn't going to look like you want it to look. Look, sometimes your friends aren't going to be the way they need to be. Look, your marriage isn't always going to be perfect. Look, but if, if you do this, you're freeing me up to get involved and do what I wanted to do all along. And if you're not, if you're not opening your word and seeing that for yourself, friend, then that's where you're stuck. That word of God is a tool for you and I to use that when life hits us and it does to go, wait a minute, I can't control this situation, but I know who can. What's my responsibility in it? What do I need to do in this moment? See, because so many Christians, we want to stand on the promises of God and ignore the prerequisites. Let me give you an example. And if this hurts your feelings, you're going to be all right. Some of y'all going to leave here, you're going to get in your cars, and you're going to go somewhere, and you're going to order fried chicken, mashed potatoes and gravy, and corn. There's not going to be anything green on your plate. It's going to be yellow and white. <laughs> then you're going to have sweet tea that two glasses will give you diabetes, so you'll do one and a half because you're trying to keep it together. <laughs> then you're going to bow your head, and you're going to say, Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. Because that's scriptural, y'all. That's scriptural. We're gonna, God's going to bless this food. Your arteries are like, Ugh. but God, I called you into it. See, what he, he says to take care of ourselves. Don't get me wrong. Fried chicken is like, I think that that's going to be at the marriage supper of the lamb. I do. But there's no biblical reference on that one either. You don't go like she said. I don't know what I'm talking about. I just think, but. But the reality is we do that a lot of times. We find scriptures that support, that make us feel good, that support what we're looking for, but we, don't, we miss the part of what we're supposed to do in that. Look for the ifs, okay? Number three, love like you're called. It's easy to love people that are easy to love. You're like, I love everybody. I would like to invite you to come and serve in student ministry. <laughs> it's not like it was when you were in student ministry. I promise you that. 
Galatians 5, 6 tells us that faith works through love. If you're stuck, the best way to ignite your faith is to love. Not just love, but love the way God commanded us, and that's to put other people first. You know, I I think we have the best, best staff and volunteers in our kids and children, in our youth ministry. We do. And I'll tell you, yes, give them a hand. They're They're rock stars. But I'll tell you something that's interesting. I would say about 80%, would you say, Keaton, 80% of our students are from unchurched families? 80% easy of our kids. I don't know. They don't come to this church. How about that? Then here's the cool part. Even though we have a lot of amazing adults that serve in kids' ministry, easy 70% of our children's ministry is run on the backs of teenagers whose families don't all come to church. That means those little boogers are getting up in the morning on their own and coming to church. We tell them all the time, life's not easy, but you know what? Serve somebody who can't do something back for you. So what do they do? They show up here and they serve kids. They show up and they're investing in these kids and they're bringing their friends and they're investing in these kids. And yes, they're teenagers. And yes, they're not always dependable. But they're here. And you know what? They're doing it because they see the value that even though my life is not great at home, God's doing something in my life here. Love like you're called. If you're stuck, instead of focusing on what you're stuck in, look for somebody else that you could help. Do something for somebody else. And please, by all means, don't take a picture of it. Put it on social media. Look at this homeless man I'm feeding. And the guy's behind you like, I hate my life. And your sandwich wasn't even that good, thanks. (laughs) And by putting others first, one of the things you have to do with that is you have to avoid negative talk. Avoid negative people. Avoid cynical conversations. I have a t-shirt my sister bought me years ago. It's hysterical. I should have wore it today, but it would have been really confusing. It it says, welcome to Cynical Island, population you. (laughs) I should never wear that. It just makes me laugh. But the reality is, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you're mad, it's it's not hard to find somebody else who can be mad with you. Then you can sit there and you just be mad together. Before you know it, you've built a committee of madness. (laughs) Everybody's mad. and You just look like you drank vinegar all day and you're just like... And then you throw some scripture in there to justify your anger. And it's all confusing. You're like, I'm mad. I'm mad too. Well, let's be mad together. And we're and we're just mad. You go to bed mad and you wake up mad. And you wonder why you're stuck in the same place. And you're just so mad. And I'm going to tell you something. The people that have offended you, they're out living their life. They're not worried about you. They're not thinking about you. You may not ever get an apology from them. And if that's what's stopping you from being unstuck, that's on you. That's on you. Stay away from the negativity. Stay away from, and I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about everything is roses and butterflies. I'm saying the reality is, the Bible says that sorrow may last for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And you're not going to get that joy if you don't wake up. You're not going to get that joy if you don't get out of that place of stuck and go, you know what? I love you, I appreciate you, but you're just feeding into the problem with what you're saying. I gotta come over here and I gotta get my perspective right. I gotta get my heart right because it's wrong over here and I appreciate that you're supporting me, but you probably need to go get your heart right too because this ain't doing us any good. 
Avoid the negative talk. Love. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us what love looks like. And if that's something you're struggling with, print that out. Put it on your fridge. Put it on your nightstand. Put it on your mirror. Put it on the, in your car. Put it at your office. Read that over and over and ask yourself, am I? Am I this is love is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not arrogant. Am I these things? And if I'm not, I kind of get my life in a place where I am those things, or I'm going to say stuck. I want y'all to hear me. Your stuckness is no one's fault but your own. How you got there might be because of somebody else. I understand that. There's some not nice people in this world. There's some people that just probably needed spanked more as a kid. I don't know. I'm just kidding. They need a nap. They need something. But the reality is, it's up to you and I. Do we want to stay in this place or do we want to get out of it? And number four, it's the hardest one for me. Be patient. If you know me, if you know me more than like 20 seconds, you know I'm not the most patient person. I do not like if I'm in a drive-thru getting waffle fries from Chick-fil-A and you tell me to move to spot one. If I want to be in spot one, if I want to be in the parking lot, I'd be in the parking lot, but I'm in the drive-thru. We are not understanding each other right now. Don't tell me my pleasure. Your pleasure is to get them fries out that window right now, little girl. <laughs> Thanks. Have a nice day. Did you put Chick-fil-A sauce in there? Good. <laughs> I don't do well with patience, but the reality is what I've learned in all my years, whether I'm patient or not, God's not moving at my speed. He's moving at his. And sometimes, or all the time, his timing is to teach us something. Be patient. James 1.4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. In a world that thrives on instant gratification, patience isn't popular. Patience isn't easy. When we're stuck and we want out and we want out now. Listen, we have these teenagers. They do this to me every Wednesday night. The fact that I'm alive and I'm telling you this story, it's a Christmas miracle, I don't know. We have an elevator over in the Family Life Center. There's two floors, just two. I hate elevators. Why? Because I'm going to get stuck in one. Obviously, you guys have learned I do not like to be stuck places. I want to be free and just leave me alone. But these dumb boys, and I love them with my whole heart. One of them was Cade Wright that is the homecoming king. Woo. He's like, y'all, hey, PA, PA, come, come get in this elevator with us so we can get upstairs. And they want to get me in there. Then they want to try to jam the elevator so we can't get there. And then they just look at me and laugh. I'm like, I think this is what hell is going to be like. I'm not going to go find out. But I'm telling you, the idea of being stuck, like splunking, like it's awful. I'm like, no, I'll, I'll take the stairs. Oh, PA, come on, you don't trust us? Absolutely, I don't trust you. Oh, we would never hurt you. No, but you'd get me stuck. And as soon as we do, I'm going to have to go to the bathroom. And then what are we going to do? No, I'm not going to get stuck. We want out when we're stuck. We want to run when we're stuck. But we need to develop what I believe is called biblical patience. With faith, you get started. With patience, you finish the race. I'm great at starting a bunch of stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm a hype woman. I, I could be in every rap video in the back just hyping people up, and that would be like 
the coolest thing ever, except for this is the coolest thing ever, right? But like, I'm all about getting things started. I'm not great at finishing it. Ask Phil how many projects we have started at the house because I watched HGTV one day. Look what we did. He's like, you mean what you started? Look what you get to finish. I want you to get this. If you get anything from this, get this. Biblical patience doesn't surrender to circumstances. You got to move. You've got to look for the ifs. You've got to love. And you've got to be patient. But it's hard when we take the right steps. We pray. And then nothing changes. We, Man, you come up here, you're at the altar, you're seeking the Lord, and you get in your car and you go home, and it's, the, it's worse than it was when you left. And you're like, whoa, 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 God, where are you? You have to understand, your God, His ability, His timing is not dependent on your circumstances. This whole world can go crazy. God is still on the throne. And you and I have the option, and I'm going to say this because I love you, it's up to you whether you stay stuck or not. I gave you four things. There's probably a million more. Four things that you and I could do to say, and I'm telling you right now, I'm literally in this moment right now trying to keep myself from being stuck. My heart, my heart hurts. I'm sad. I want to kind of fight somebody. Not you, but somebody. She's crazy. Maybe. friend, I'm going to tell you something. And I mean this with my whole heart. God's not through with you. And someday we're all going to stand before him. We don't want to have to explain the season we were stuck when he gave us options to get out. Do you know what we're missing out on being stuck? Do you know what we're missing out? Who's missing out on the truth of the goodness of God when we stay stuck? Do you understand? He doesn't want your excuses. He paid the price to set you free. Bow your heads with me, please, all across this room. If you're in here right now and you can say that you've never given your life to Christ, if you're online and you're like, hey, I need a relationship with Jesus, y'all, this is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. That's the first place to get unstuck is get your heart right with the Lord. If you say, I, I need, I need to get my life right with Christ. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. If there's anybody in here. Okay. Some of them believe that because nobody raised your hand, you're, you love the Lord and that's awesome. So now, now here's my next question. I want anybody looking around because this is very, very personal. This is not public confession. I want you to evaluate your heart. I want you to look deep inside of your heart. You can say, hey, look, my life is good. I'm doing so much better. That's great. But is there an area in your life that you need to walk in some forgiveness? You need to let some things go. You need to deal with some addictions. You need to take care of yourself, your health, your mind. You need to stop hanging out with negative Nancy. You need to stop spending all your time. Let me just be honest. 
reading conspiracies and you're in your house waiting with guns and ammo ready to take out zombie apocalypse because you're focused so much on what the world says and not what God says. Are you stuck somewhere? And it may be somewhere small. It may be something really, really, really big. And I'm here to tell you whatever it is, God doesn't want you to stay there. And if you'll start with the four things I gave you and work your way out, I'm gonna tell you, you're gonna have a story, you're gonna have a testimony, and God's gonna use that to help other people around you get unstuck. So nobody looking around, this is anybody else's business, but if you're like, yeah, you know what? There's something in my life. I need God's help with, will you just raise your hand? Because even if nobody raised their hands, look, this is for me, because I'm there right now. Awesome. I see you. Will you put your hands down? Will everybody stand up? Let's pray together as a family. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, you're so good. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that there is nothing about our lives that you don't know about that you don't see ahead, you don't see behind, and you don't see in the present. Lord, you see it all. Lord, your word says that no weapon formed against us will prosper. <laughs> if, if, God. Lord, help us to look for the things that we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to lean not on our own understanding, how we're supposed to trust you, how we're supposed to turn away from evil, how we're supposed to not put ourselves in compromising situations, how we're supposed to love your word, crave your word, read your word, live your word. God, help us to do our part. God, I thank you that you're, you're relational. You love us. You want, you want to do life with us. Lord, you saw every hand here and every hand online. God, you know what every single one of us are dealing with. You know, it's not a shock, it's not a surprise. And some of these things are not our fault. We're not in these stuck places by our own choice, but staying there is our choice. And Lord, help us, help us all to look to you, to trust you, to take the, the words that you've given us today, God, and, and get unstuck. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for this body. Thank you, Lord, that there's a world out there that needs you, and you want us to be your hands and feet. Help us to go today and, and represent you well. And Jesus, for down the road, when we come across the quicksand of life, help us to remember your word today. And help us to call on you, God. I thank you for that. I thank you for loving us. And Lord Jesus, there's not a better time to be alive because you are alive and active. And we help forgive us for complaining about what's happening in our world, but help us to armor up and be prepared to reach a world that needs you more than ever. We love you and we thank you. And we give you this day in your precious name, amen. Hey, if you raised your hand and you wanna talk to somebody, you want somebody to pray with you about the stuckness, please, we've got the prayer team up here. I encourage you to please come up and talk to them. We love you guys and we will see you next week.